Gifting is hard. This isn't news. But what might be news is that you can now send beer, wine, and spirits right to your friends and family with Drizzly, the go-to app for alcohol delivery. Save time shopping, save money comparing prices across stores, and spend more time sipping with your gifties. Now that's good news. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. <laughs> it would be a wolf, but I... Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Um, Rich Hobbs joining you to discuss the 1-1 draw against Brentford. Um, joining me today, we've got um, we've got Matt, we've got Kim, and we've got Michael as well. Michael, great to have you on. Um, I was going to say, give us a breakdown, give us a plug for your, um, for, for your show as much as anything else. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. It's one of the first Wolves-related things I do, but I do the audio description commentary with Matt for Wolves. I'm a sort of long-distance but also long-term Wolves supporter. And, yeah, I also do, I do a European football podcast, which is at RTN Football on Twitter and Road to Nowhere European Football Podcast on all usual Spotify or streaming services. All places where you can find That's exactly yeah. uh, That's exactly what we uh, like to hear. I was going to say... Long distance, long suffering balls, long term, long suffering, exactly like what we want to hear um, from a fan. We've we've all been there. Um let's get into the bones of it. Um Wolves managed to not lose a game, guys. Woo, woo, woo. It? I know, <laughs> like oh get out of the bubbly. Um no, but we did draw one one against Brentford. Well it wasn't the most inspiring of games, but in a way it kind of needed to be like that um just to make sure that we were getting points on the board um i was gonna say kim i know you went down to brentford yesterday how did. did you find how did you find going to the well Meccano stadium um all around pretty bizarre experience actually which i think is pretty much similar to most sort of fans experiences in the past um yeah, I think it, it's just a bizarre ground. I mean, you've got these sort of like screens like above you that have got sort of action replays and then you find yourself just like watching the screen instead of like actually watching the game. And then it's like, well, why am I even here if I'm just sort of like watching it on the TV? I might as well, I might as well be sitting at home. <laughs> and then that obviously for their goal, you saw this the, the replays and then... For our goal, it's like, oh, really want a replay of Neves's sort of brilliant shot from outside the box, and, and there was no replay. So, obviously, that was a bit annoying. But I think generally, yeah, it's just a weird ground that's almost like Lego looking. It doesn't it, even look real. Is it because driving over it on, on like the A roads and the motorway, it doesn't look like there's an inch that they could have made it any bigger around kind of where it's. No, yeah, it's, is it t- what's it like? It must. It looks proper congested from the outside. 
It is. Um, and you almost have to walk through like housing estates and like blocks of flats to even get to the away end. Um, yeah, it was a bit strange, but at least it's not one of those modern bowls. At least, I guess, there's quirks, even though, yeah, they're a bit weird. I mean, the pubs around there are quite cool, though. You know, you can pretty much get in any pub. They they allow away fans, pretty friendly. Um, that was quite a good experience. But, yeah, yeah, all around bizarre, but I'm just glad I've got a, a little ground tick off. Very nice. I was going to say, always good to tick one off the list. Um, let's draw your memories back to two o'clock on Saturday uh, to the lineup. And I, it always feels a bit difficult doing lineups these days because we can't exactly get a lot of variation because of the, well, frankly, shocking number of players we have. Um, but there were a couple of changes from the, uh, well, let's be honest, humiliating defeat to Leicester with uh, Troy coming back into the middle of the park and also Smedo coming in for Johnny as well. Matt, were you happy with the starting lineup? Um, all things being equal, I think so. I think a it was possibly the lineup that we needed against Leicester anyway. But b what I was more pleased to see is he's reacted on what was an awful performance from Johnny against Leicester. So he's acted on that and a bit more physicality by having uh, Bubakar. Uh, in there as well. So pretty much what I expected was really pleased that um, despite being on the, unfortunately having that 4-0 on his only second start, Bueno also made made the uh, lineup. So yeah, I think it was the lineup that most people would have been happy with. Definitely. Uh, Michael, how about you? Were you, uh, were you pleasantly surprised um, but before the match? Yeah, I was satisfied sort of when I saw the lineup. I thought, yeah, I agreed. I knew Johnny had to be taken out the firing line, pulling that game against Leicester. I was, to be honest, I was a little bit surprised Hugo Bueno kept stayed in after Leicester. I didn't think going forward he kept a bad account of himself, but you know, even against Brentford, you can see defensively certainly the side of his game he has to work on more. And I, I did expect Ryan Aitnori to come back in there. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a good show of character to give Bubakar Traore a shot. I mean. It was that yellow card, wasn't it, against Crystal Palace that forced his sort of early withdrawal from that or forced Steve Davis's hand from his perspective um, a couple of games back. And so I was really excited to get a closer look at him. Definitely. Uh, Dean Marston's uh, said comments, to be fair to Davis, uh, taking injuries and things into consideration. He's got all the lines pretty much spot on. And I'd, I'd, I'd agree um, with that, that a lot of it has seemed to be very much square pegs in square holes a lot of the time and rightly or wrongly he's tried to keep things as simplistic as possible um which definitely can't blame him for i mean going into the game itself as i kind of started the show by saying it wasn't necessarily you know one for the neutrals It, it was a bit scrappy um but wolves did wolves did create a few chances and did look lively at certain points, Kim. Uh, what what did you kind of make of the sort of, a, yeah. I, I guess, initial proceedings? I think, I think we started positively um, as we had done pretty much the last couple of games, the first 10 minutes. And you think, okay, at least we're sort of keeping the ball and creating some half chances. But I think the issue is they're, they're still, and I think throughout the game, there were a few chances, but they weren't like clear cut. I think if you'd have asked, if you'd have looked at the stats and I don't know what the, the stats are in terms of like the XG, 
Um, but I, I just don't think we're still creating really good clear chances. So I think there was a few weren't there in the in, you know the at the start sort of Jamatino. I think he was the first pretty much half chance. Um, where it came came on to me, I think was it just past the post, maybe, mm. um, and yeah, I, I think we we started well, um, but I still think it showed in terms of a lack of confidence from from the off, really, that the team still uh, tend to tend to have. I mean, I guess one of the the biggest <laughs> criticisms you could have had against Leicester is that we. We, we we lacked some of the fundamental basics of what we expect as fans in terms of the desire for, you know, being able to pass the ball 10 yards and things like that. But Matt, do you think we were, you know, better at the, the bare minimum, as it were? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there was any... There were I no realise that is any... a very low bar. I, re- <laughs> yeah, I realise, like... It's you know, low-hanging we... fruit, but, it's, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there were no there were no shouts for, that there might have been a competition winner on the pitch for this game, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think that then again, like those eight minutes you mentioned against Leicester, we um, we, we start well in pretty much every game over the last three, four games, um, and we did, and we did this game as well. I think you know Diego Costa missed uh, a header opportunity that came into him. Jamie Tino did everything that he could with his with his volley and, and a deflection the other way, and that would have that would have would have gone in. Um, we did the the basics right. It's just lacking a killer edge at the moment and lacking, as we have done for so long, just that lethal hunger striker. There's only so many different ways you can you can package that any differently. It's same fundamental problems that we have. But what I think was much better on this occasion than it was against Leicester is defensively, we weren't looking anywhere near as fragile. Kilman and Collins just had a bit more of a... just They were just more confident and there was less of this trickery trying to pass the ball out or, or, or try and Cruyff turn in the 18 on the 18 yard line it was just kind of everything that needed to be done was done efficiently and smoothly and that's what you needed just to keep yourselves in the game because that's the first thing for Wolves at the minute just don't concede I was going to say you you bring up uh, an interesting point particularly around Kilman and Connors who did look a lot more themselves but Michael do you think having Traore in front of them helped because he again gave a busy account of himself is the best way I can describe it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, even if it's not him directly, I think the fact he kind of gave Ruben Neves, who tends to be sort of the deepest of the midfield three, a bit more protection in front of him meant that Ruben Neves in turn could then be sort of shielding the back four a little bit more and also offering another pass option, but also so could Traore, who was, you know, all over the pitch and I'm sure we'll get on to trial race performance at some point. But um, yeah, there was there, there was elements of his inclusion that I think really benefited Wolves from a confidence point of view. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm starting to become quite a big fan of trial Ray. Uh, what what he lacks in a first touch, he makes up for in getting himself about. And I know Kim, you were never a big fan of Dendonka, were you? <laughs> Yeah, but, to put it lightly. Yeah, but do you, is Traore what you wanted Dendonka to be? I think he's he probably complements... He has the attributes that the other midfielders that we have don't. So I think 
on paper, I think he's he is what we need. And I think his performance was, albeit at times, I think he gave the ball away a little bit in, you know, when it was just like, oh, just, you know, make the simple pass. But he was, all, as soon as he gave that ball away, right away, he was really trying to win it back and, you know, putting his foot in and just giving us that energy that I think in over the last few years we've really sort of lacked. Um, so, yeah, I think I was I was pretty pleased with his performance and I think moving into the next couple of games before the World Cup, I think he, he has to start because I think he's really showing with Matinho now that he shouldn't be playing a full 90 minutes in the Premier League mm-hmm. every single week. Um, so I think we obviously providing that Nunes is okay in terms of his injury, then that combination of Neves, um, Nunes and um, Traore could actually work really well. It's got a lot of balance when on paper that that trio, and I, I think me, all of us in on here, plus every Wolves fan has the utmost respect to Jao Moutinho. But having someone like Traore in there alongside Neves, alongside Nunes, does feel a bit more balanced, so to say, Matt? Yeah, I'd say so. And it, it, it's cliched in this, and it, it makes me sound like I'm, I'm pining for a Mick McCarthy 11 of just grafters. But you just sometimes want to see... Mm passion and heart and and having a go and he what he lacks in um maybe technical skill he makes up for in rawness and we've got to remember as well he has never played anywhere near this level in his career and he's adapted to it pretty quickly i think um and in those games that are 50-50 games i know prior to this game i think everybody myself included had us down for a shellacking but when you look on te- the teams on paper, I think it's a 50-50 game. I think sometimes you just need that extra bit of spark and desire. And that's what he brings. Not that, you know, Matinho, for example, he's known as being the consummate professional, possibly too passionate in that when he loses, he takes it super seriously and everything else. But you also need the youth and legs underneath it as well to carry that. So I think he's, um, I, can't, I wouldn't say he's his first name on the team sheet going forward, but in a game that you need to have that energy and uh, about you, I think, you know, you've got to consider him going forward. I mean, I, I think he's done exceptional in the fact that he's played, well, a handful of games for us, but y- you're right. He, he borderline does need to start. And the fact that we've seen young players come into the club and not really get an opportunity. And he's, and don't get me wrong, for baseline at the moment for Wolves' performance levels are low. We, you know, but actually he has shown what, I say, as a bare minimum that we expect and what we've needed and what we've missed in the midfield a lot of the time. And hey, don't get me wrong, we rightfully slaughter um, our attacking players because we don't score. We rightfully slaughter our defenders when we, you know, get spanked four nil. And the midfielders can sometimes get off a bit lightly within it. And a lot of it is just the fact that for a significant amount of time, I think we've had similar-ish players. Um, and he seems to just be this new element, which is, you know, just brand new and exciting. And just, you know, lovely new shiny toy. Um, but with, with Traore, I think he helped break up a lot of play and a lot of momentum with Brentford. Um 
And I think that was one of the big overarching things in the game that it was very stop. It was quite a uh, stop-start game, wouldn't you say, um, Kim? Yeah, I think what was the stat? The how long was the ball in play? It was a pretty low sort of number, I think. I believe um, it was about forty-four minutes or something. Yeah, and that just sort of summed up the game, really. It you know it was just really stop-start. Quite a few sort of injuries, and I suppose. It wasn't specific to, I don't think even it was time wasting. It was just yeah, it was just really stop start and not not really I, I guess I don't think Brentford really tested us as much as I thought that they would from going into the game. You know, they're really strong at home and they've beat some really good top six teams. And I think it was quite surprising when they I don't know, they seem pretty content at the end to sort of, yeah, hold out for the draw in some sort of sense. But yeah, I think considering our away form, I, I just, I was I was happy to take the point and run, to be honest. Even though, you know, you, of course we need we need the three and it's obviously the easiest out of the, the next couple. But I think, yeah, it's a hard place to go to. So I think, yeah, take take the point and run. No, definitely. I think um, reading back through Twitter, both Wolves, both Wolves Twitter and bits of Brentford Twitter that seeped into my timeline, unfortunately, um, I think there was a lot of criticism directed at the referee. Um, I was going to say rightly or wrongly, it was rightly in my opinion, but uh, not necessarily helping proceedings, whereas you had Brentford sort of saying, oh, Wolves are play acting, they're diving. At the end of the day, I've seen Brentford play quite a few times under Thomas Franks, and it seems to be a uh, repeated theme, if you ask me, Michael, that um, a lot of their games can be bitty when they want them to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think both fixtures last season were dominated, one from Brentford's perspective of time-wasting when they had a man sent off. I think it was, um, oh, what's he called? I can't remember the midfielder now. And... Uh, Baptiste, who got sent off at the game at Molyneux, and they held out. And then I think Bruno Large was unhappy. And then, of course, there was the beautifully sweet revenge at Brentford Stadium in the return leg when there was quite a bit of time wasting going on. Obviously, there was the drone. And I think that this must be one of the fixtures. You know, you talked about those 44 minutes. And I know, let's say you've got to set a minimum of two fixtures for the teams played, which of course makes sense given every team in the Premier League that's been in their league at the same season would have played each other twice. But I'd like I'd like to see what's the lowest in-ball playtime between two teams in Premier League history. And I'd like to think Wolves Brentford would be right at the well oh, top definitely. and in which way you'd look yeah. at it. Because I know that yesterday's game wasn't the shortest in ball in game time this season. I think it was like second lowest but i reckon you say like average amongst teams um you know you'd, you'd be harking back to the days of stoke wolves um where i remember I particularly drab i think it was a nil a nil nil we had against them uh, we've had a great a great comment on youtube big thanks for everyone who's tuned in uh live as always saying wolves brentford mainly um all championship level um but um i, I enjoyed that even if it pains me and hurts me um uh, let, let's talk about the Brentford goal Matt because part of me wants to say oh it was a good goal but a bit preventable 
yeah massively preventable and this is where when you know you mentioned about the base going the basics being done incorrectly well this is it he manages to creep away from um, from a couple of wolves players and and then he's given the time to what like a bicycle kick would you quite describe as not quite a bicycle kick but like a volley in that he has absolutely no right to be able to pull off and it's typical wolves really to make a player like me look like prime ronaldo isn't it really and i'm talking about brazilian ronaldo as at that when really they didn't create a fat lot they didn't create they didn't cause so many problems all game really and it would just happen to be that the goal of his career was scored against wolves and it was entirely preventable which is which is annoying because it's when you're at this point in this in the season at this place in the table minor mistakes cause massive implications and that's exactly you know this is what you know you can't say for sure we wouldn't have conceded a different goal in a different capacity and the butterfly flex and wah, 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 wah. But, you know, we, if, if we hadn't have conceded and we'd have gone on to score, I've confidently felt we could have seen this one out because Brentford really didn't cause us that many problems, but it's just one of those. No, it did feel... So, I think from Brentford's point of view, they'd say, oh, that's a really good goal we've conceded. But Kim, would you can't go similar to that for sloppy? The... I think I think there's a couple of things. I think uh, it's typical that we have we have against us Ben Mee, who if he's ever going to score, it's usually from his head. Just I just don't see us ever one ever scoring a goal like that. One, one our cent- from our centre backs, and that's probably part of the problem is that we don't have goals all across the pitch. And two, it's just like. Yeah, just like the best goal of his career again scored against us. So, th- do you think there's a? It's preventable, definitely, as as Matt says. But yeah, it is a good goal. So I think if you're watching it as a neutral, you're more likely to think, yeah, that's a really good f- goal. Sort of out of nothing, really, as well. Like great ball in, and mm. and for a centre back to 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 put it put it in like that, you, yeah, it's one of those things, but. It's just uh, how our look is at the, at the moment. Although, to be fair, I think we did look better overall during the game um, at, at centre-back compared to how we, we were last week. I mean, the fact that we kind of famous <clears throat> nullified Ivan Tony and kept him quiet for the majority of the game, I think, indicates of how good a performance that K- Kilman and Collins had. Um, Michael, what did you think of, I, I guess, the centre centre-backs, because don't get me wrong, they were all awful last week, but they did seem to pick up a bit of stride this week. Yeah, it was a big improvement. I was a bit nervous at the beginning because I think Wolves set a kick-off routine. It went back to Matt's Kilman and he tried to whip a ball out to the right-hand side and it was so off-target. And I was like, oh God, this is a sign of things to come. <laughs> but no, they did, they did pick up. I thought they generally marshaled Tony well. I mean, to be fair, Tony is often a striker who will pop up in certain moments. And in fairness to him, he often still did. And even though he slipped in two of those, I think that was partially due to the pressure around him. What I was really impressed by was that, I think what was clear from that Leicester game was that Collins and Kilman needed to take on a bit more of a leadership role in the defensive ranks. And the gaps between Johnny and Bueno and them, they were often left isolated and 
you know, outnumbered. And I thought, you know, when Brentford did get into dangerous positions, it was very noticeable that Bueno had tucked in and Semedo had tucked in. And I think that was overall, as sort of as a defensive unit, it was just far more solid and far more organised than we'd seen in, you know, well, obviously Leicester, but also, I guess, in times against Crystal Palace, which wasn't as bad, mm. but obviously Semedo's defending for that Zaha goal. Yeah, um, I think second half, we that's you know, literally like a game and a half of football against Palace and Leicester, just for the defence didn't show up. Um, but one of the things that frustrated me most about the Palace game um, was when we conceded that equalised to Palace, the heads dropped. And it seems to be a bit of a thing around Wolves this season that they just lack that confidence when they go behind. And one of the most empowering, empowering things, I think, from this game, apart from the well-earned point, is the fact that we did pull back an equaliser. It might not have been a might not have been a win, but the fact that we did get the equaliser and what a bloody equaliser it was. I know we can't. I know that we can't just rely on Ruben Neves just to score bangers every week. But it ain't half enjoyable, Matt, when they go in, is it? Yeah, you'd be hard-pressed to shoehorn in the um, the Thunderbastard Alan Partridge clip on it. It wasn't quite Thunderbastard territory, but it was a cracker. And, you know, well-created as well. My, the funny thing is, my favourite part of this goal isn't necessarily the strike, but it's <laughs> Rubicar Traore is dancing out of the way out of the, the shot. And it, but it, he looks he looks terrified. He like he, he like it's not graceful at all. Um, like just feel free back. to write it's... in the co- anyone who's uh, watching this on YouTube, whether it's live or um on 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 repeat. Feel free to put in the comments what Ruben Nevers shouted to Babacu Traore at that point <laughs> because I don't I don't think it was particularly polite. But no, I can't imagine it was. The, I mean, the goal itself is beautifully struck and. You know, the reward for some, you know, intense pressure straight away from the goal. Frank said in his interview afterwards, you know, the one thing you don't want when you concede, there are red flags everywhere, he said, and, you know, you don't want to concede. They would, it would do so much damage to Brentford's uh, morale as well in the game, conceding straight away like they did. Troy already did well as well to control it and get that Mm -hmm. ball across, you know, I've criticised him a lot, um, Adama, over over the last this season for being in a position where he either makes the wrong decision or he'll take too long to dilly dally about making a decision. Well, the fact that he stopped, looked, made the pass, then that pass from I think Semedo a crossover was just just rewards really because I think we deserved to be in the game. And what can you say? I mean, it's not probably even one of Ruben Neves's fifth in the top five of his goals and it was still a cracker and that just proves the talent that he has that unfortunately i don't think we'll see for much longer no um you you mentioned troy Ray, and i think out of all the players under davis so far i think he's been someone who has been quietly actually fairly impressive and fit and and seemed to uh, i was gonna say as much as any wolves player can do be Played actually quite well a lot of the time, but again, Ruben Neves. I think even if you take the goal out of the game, I think he was he still had a, another phenomenal performance. Kim, would you say? I think so. I think firstly, with just going back to Troy Ray for a second, I think he's at least showing a bit of form, and I think sometimes it's a bit unfortunate that again, even though 
he's been in and out the team and maybe not once as he has played for us before. I think he's, he's still going to get two two players marked on him every game. Um, and that that's always going to be a battle for him. But I think he's looking a lot more dangerous. I think he was unlucky to be get to get taken off as well um, mm. over Pedence because again I didn't think I thought Pedence did okay at times, but I always still think that just like Troyore. But to be honest, at the moment, I think Troyore is more likely to come up with sort of an assist or a a key pass as opposed to Pedence. So I thought that was a bit harsh, I think, to take him off. But then another point on Troy Oro, though, if you notice, when we actually did score, he didn't celebrate. So you can, if you watch the goal back, as he, as he sort of sees that it goes in, he just sort of walks off. Whereas if you look at all the other players, they're, they're right to, the, to Neves and the fans. So that's just an, another observation. I still don't mm-hmm. think he wants to be here. Deep down, and maybe yeah, I guess we know that, but yeah, um. it's too busy concentrating. Ra- he's too busy concentrating racing kids in um, Sainsbury's car parks, <laughs> which I, I part of me because I think there's a couple of things that I think I saw on social media this week around Adama Traore that obviously that clip that went viral of him, you know, le- leaving some kids for dust in a in a race in a car park. Um, but I think on the same day. Or the day before, he was like signing. He was just like walking around Merry Hill, and like people were obviously asking for autographs. But they were like, he was just waiting for him to like run into JD to actually buy Walls Top and stuff like that. So I don't know whether he's going on like a mini farewell PR tour or whatever around uh, and helping the young children of um, the young people of Wolverhampton or whatever. Um, I, th- I think Rich on on Adama, I think. He's going to be as frustrated in his own performances as any Wolves fan here listening or or anyone else. I think he expects a lot more from himself and probably thinks at this point in his career after the move to Barca and everything that it was probably on a more upwards trajectory than, than what he's currently experiencing. And I think that I don't know if it's, you know, I didn't notice he didn't celebrate, to be fair to him, but I, I don't know if that's an annoyance at his own performance or the team's performance in general, as opposed to his lack of happiness or desire. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think he's a player that I, I think probably wants and needs to be loved. And I think he's, he's in a team where there's not a lot of positivity at the minute. And I don't know if he's suffering because of that, maybe. I'm not sure. Hmm. In interesting sports dynamic case study if ever there were one um <laughs> the the only other major incident and we we knew something like this would happen uh at some point you you, you bring in diego for the drama and he gave us drama unfortunately it was the wrong it was more of a greek tragedy than anything else but um he did manage to get himself sent off for a headbutt against uh Brentford's goal scorer Ben Me. Um, he didn't initially get picked up, and then the, the lovely people at VAR managed to see it. Um, Michael, what was your initial reaction to this? My initial reaction when there was a stoppage in play was total excitement because I thought they were looking at a penalty incident, <laughs> and it quickly turned a bit sour. And then when when they were looking at it, at first I wasn't actually sure who they were looking at because you do see Ben Me. Put his head towards Costa first. Like I'm, I'm 
I'm still confident watching the feedbacks. He does that. Obviously, it's not in the same manner of, as which Costa's sort of jolted his head a bit more. And it's, you know, it is a red card. It's stupid. Um, it's obviously the kind of stuff he used to do before VAR. If I'm right in thinking, I think he had some limited time playing with VAR in Spain, but he wasn't really involved with Atletico Madrid much. Don't have it in the Brazilian league, as far as I know. Um, so he it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of those kind of characteristics that he, you know, used to his success um, over the years has kind of come back to bite him with the technologies we now use. But yeah, I mean, it's it's so stupid and annoying given the timing of the match it is. I mean, the timing of the match in short time makes it better because, what, there's a minute left of the game and Brentford don't really have a time to react to that. But long term, you know, that's um, until Christmas, Boxing Day, that mm. he's out. And when he was just starting to come into a bit of form, you know, I think a lot of his, the description of his lot of performances have been quite lamented and stuff. But I think there's been game-by-game game improvement and... Um, you know, you can tell he's slow, you can tell he's getting on a bit, but you can also see that his intelligence of knowing when a defender's body's moving one way, when he has that shot at the end, he knows which way to turn and how to create a chance still. And that kind of thing, I think, is offering way more than Jimenez has in the past, you know, 12 months for various reasons. But I think it's such a shame that they're going to lose him for Brighton, which I think is a winnable game. Um Arsenal, which I don't think is a winnable game, but he's got a good history against Arsenal at the very least. So, yeah, just really disappointing on the whole. But I do think Ben Mee was quite lucky to escape without anything. Well, yeah, um, David Price has said in the comments, both should have had cards, Ben Mee for the initial headbutt and Costa for retaliation. Um, I was a bit surprised because like, I, I kind of assumed that Ben Mee must have got a booking. Like, If you've seen the incident... I. I, I hate to be unbiased um, in situations around Wolves, but I do think that what Costa did, you can, I can see why he got the red card and Ben Mee didn't, but the fact that Ben Mee got nothing did, did surprise me. Kim, I, I guess it's it's always a different experience to experience far in the stadium, isn't it? But um, how did you kind of see the incident? Do you think Ben Mee... It, it, I don't know. I think I'm just looking at it from... Costa's perspective and it's just like why don't get involved in it and I think for for him to actually come out after the game and apologize shows that if he didn't think he didn't deserve to be sent off he wouldn't come out and apologize would he um agree that yeah it's it is a bit you know why would Ben Mee not get a card of some sort as well but it's just infuriating that we haven't we can't afford red cards in our situation, given we've literally got no no obvious replacement now. Um, and that's going to cost us because we've literally got no striker now to play until after the World Cup. And as we know, we don't have any options. Um, but yeah, in the ground, you just knew, to be honest, as soon as um, the ref had to go over to the screen, you just knew, knew what was going to happen. And yeah, from there, it was sort of, it was already game over anyway. So yeah. I say uh, we had we had an interesting point for Twitter corner um, for, from Ash Dolan, which was um, am I the only one a little disappointed in Costa rather than pleading innocent rather than pleading innocence, uh, which is funny in itself. Um, he didn't go overboard and you know sell the headbutt like a Samoan in wrestling uh, top shit house. Um, but Matt, for you, 
were you a bit frustrated by it? Because I said, oh, you, you kind of have to buy into Diego Costa and you get you, you get rough with the smooth that you, he mm-hmm. might do something and get a, a suspension. But it's because he gives you performances and goals and we are five games in with no goals at the moment. And I know yeah. there's attributing <clears throat> factors, but we signed Grant Holt uh, seven years ago today who played four <laughs> games for Wolves and scored no goals. Yeah, I mean, frustrating in the fact that, like Michael said, he was he, he was slowly, painfully slowly, but slowly picking up momentum. And you know, on a, on another occasion, you know, he, he might have scored um, against Palace when he couldn't get it out of his feet, and it just come at a really bad time. I think what's cute about what Ben Mee's done is he, he's led in with his back and shoulder, and his head's moved with his body. Whereas Costa has just headbutted with his neck, <laughs> like his body is static and his neck has took I, his head. I describe, um, yeah, I describe what Ben Mee did as rutting, like a deer. He was, yeah. If this was boxing, he'd be going in with his head as part of a clinch, as opposed to a headbutt. Um, but it's, it's, it is frustrating. I don't. I, I think it's a bit of revisionist history to say that Costa has this in his locker considering I think this is his first Premier League red card or as I'm led to believe or it is least... his first re- it is his first red card however I'm pretty sure he has been suspended retrospectively at least once I think twice. Mm, okay. I think he got sent off in the FA Cup once and then Premier League this uh, is... is that how we're covering ourselves uh, <laughs> yeah. okay. um it is frustrating Call me naive, call me whatever you like. In in any negativity, there has to be opportunity. And I think it will give some game time to what I think should be Huang, believe it or not. Um, because I think that apart from that Newcastle horror show, I don't think in the time, the limited time he's played, he's done too much wrong. I think he deserves an opportunity when... Goncalo's done pretty much nothing when he's been on the pitch. I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if we gave Huang an opportunity, not keep him in now for the rest of the season or anything like that. I think you've got to try something because we've got no other choice of Costa's not going to be there. I was going to say, uh, let give Huang a helping hand. Um <laughs> Yeah, again, I, I'd, I'd refer back to my other comments in terms of starting lineups. For Steve Davis, seems to be very much a square pegs in square holes. He seems pretty set on this four-three-three formation, and I don't think he'd feel comfortable playing Guedes as a striker up front by himself because we've already seen this season it's not a role he's accustomed to. He needs to have some firing off him. Um, we'll round up. Uh, Brentford chat by just sort of saying do you think it was one point gained or two points lost because I I do think we're more, well worth the point but I know are we all happy with a point or do we think we deserved a little bit more I thought it was two points lost um, I think any point at this stage you kind of have to take but Brentford I think Ivan Tony's or somebody said it after their loss to Villa the week before, when Brentford, you know, Brentford are a good team, it's a tough place to go, but when Brentford are bad, they're really bad, and 
Um, I thought they were really bad against Wolves. I thought they really offered very little. The kind of chances they created were more from our kind of lacklustre moments and from their kind of ingenuity or anything like that. And I think that they really were there for the taking. They'd had a couple, Jensen came off first half, a couple injuries to key players. And I thought they looked really soft in the game. They looked like a team almost wanting to get beat. And we, you know, for numerous reasons that have plagued our season, we're unable to capitalise on that. Kim, how about you? Were you satisfied with a point? I know we sort of said earlier in the show, mm. but, you know, point, happy enough with a point, but part of you. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? I think a draw is a fair result because I don't think we did enough to win the game. I mean, I think, yeah, Brentford weren't great either, but all the opportunities that we created, there were there were half chances. And I, I think when you look at the bigger picture, you'd like to say it was one point gained, but I can understand sort of the opinions on two lost, given the fact that they weren't, Brentford weren't at their best. And also given what we've got ahead of us, it's the easiest game on paper um, in comparison to, to Brighton and Arsenal. So, yeah, but I, st- I just don't think we did enough, personally, to, to, to get all three points. Matt, how about you? Um, I think it was one point gained and two points lost only on the basis that I think we... we that, wa- that wasn't us playing at our best and we were unlucky not to. And I actually think we could have played better and we had better opportunities. We could have created better opportunities and the chances that we did have, we could have took you know, took better, but it was a positive step nonetheless. You know what I mean? I wasn't expecting us to win going into it. Um, I, If we'd have won, I wouldn't have said, oh, we really got away with that one. Do you know what I mean? Either. So it's it's six to one and a half. It doesn't do the other, really. I just think that it was so important. It was so important that we didn't lose. So important because we that really would have felt like a kick in the teeth for what has been a, a huge improvement over over Leicester but if we took Leicester out of the equation altogether it was an improvement over the Palace performance as well in that we could sustain it over a 90 minute period definitely I think can't be disappointed if it was a point and I don't know if we quite did enough to win the game and to truly go away you know what we should we should have got three points and how didn't we Mm -hmm. um but a point point on the board I don't think you can ever complain about, especially considering our form at the moment. We're going to take a short break, guys. After a break, we're going to talk a little bit about Jimenez, a little bit about Lopetegui, and do a little quiz. We will see you in a short second. Catch you in a minute. Hi, it's Richard from Wolves Fancast here. Just interrupting today's show before we get back to some question opinions and opinionated questions to talk to you a little bit about our sponsors pixel yeti media they are a design agency that put you and your business first from web design logo and branding design and marketing if you have any marketing needs get in touch with them to find out how they can help you get it right they are over at pixelyetimedia.com now let's get back to a show where we can give you some really forced wordplay niche cultural references and maybe even a bit of football talk Hello, welcome back, everybody. So we're not going to do a 
long table run through, frankly, because it's depressing. Um, but Wolves are currently 19th with 10 points after 13 games. Um, but one thing I think is most notable, that we are a decent chunk into the season, but it is still quite tight at the bottom of the table. Um, you know, most exemplified by Leeds, who, of course, uh, beat Liverpool, but they've shot up from, you know, being below us in the table all the way up to 15th. So, with my positive hat on, I'm not getting super, super anxious, but obviously we are still in fairly dire straits. Um, but hopefully we can somehow manage to get a few points out of, you know, Brighton, who beat Chelsea, and Arsenal, who are near the top of the table. Um, anyway, I want to talk a little bit about Raul Jimenez, guys, because he's not been in England uh, the past few weeks. Essentially, since the last international break, he hasn't really returned um, following a groin injury that he's apparently sustained for a significant while now. Um, but given, I guess, the optics around Wolves, Matt, do you think it's not been a great move to have him still out there um, rather than sort of being back at Compton? Or does it really not matter because you know he's recovering from an injury yeah i think for the purposes of the team and his rehabilitation i don't think it makes much of a difference if i'm honest but as with everything on social media the truth isn't what's most important the perception is what's most important and the perception is he's a filthy skyver as twitter would have you believe i i think i think the whole thing's blown out of proportion if i'm if i'm being honest with you i mean how often do players go off to see specialists in other countries when you know Troyore how would have an injury he flew you know he would fly back to spain or you know i don't think it's as huge a deal as you think i think that because of our, if we were if we were sitting in 12th having a really mediocre season of draws and the occasional win and the occasional loss this wouldn't make headlines at all it's because of the position that we're in in the table that it causes today's twitter meltdown and tomorrow's twitter meltdown will be that bueno i don't know puts his fridge puts his tomato sauce in the fridge you know what i mean it's one of these things it, it makes no it doesn't make a difference but it's just exam it, it, it's amplified by social media because of where we are at the moment so i don't i don't think it's a big deal i mean kim i know your son who's been on holiday to mexico so you're you're living i, I assume you'll realize that actually a lot of people go oh well clearly he's just their son he's just lounging it about but is this the footballing equivalent from i guess a fan's perspective where an organisation isn't necessarily performing as well as they should do. So, and you've all been doing a lot of working from home, a lot of hybrid stuff, and they've pulled everyone back into the office. Is that what we, we will, we, that's what we're demanding as fans? We're hard on money. I, I just think I think it has been like pu pulled out of proportion a little bit, but I do think there's probably more to it in terms of than the injury. Um, I, I mean, you obviously read different reports on, on what's happening and it's, it's is it the in, he's struggling with the injury plus sort of mentally? I mean, we, we can just speculate, can't we? We don't know that. It might be that, you know, he just needed a change of scenery and going back to 
you know, where he's actually from. You know, I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think people should be getting on his back or making comments when technically we don't really know what's happening. But he, he ultimately he had a really career threatening injury. So I think we've got to be, a, you know, I think he, I think we've got to be careful on, on what we say. Um, yeah, it, it's a difficult one, isn't it? It's it's a difficult one to sort of put your finger on until we actually know. But where's his family? Like, are they still in England, or have they gone back to Mexico with him? As I say, we don't know. So it's just a shame that he's not back on back on the pitch. And hopefully, after the World Cup, he will be, and, and we'll have have him as an option. Definitely, I think that's. <clears throat> From from our perspective, it's fantastic. That's all. That's all we want. I think that's arguably the the most frustrating thing is that we're severely lacking goals. We as Wolves fans have seen him, you know, particularly pre-injury, be that focal point and be the player who consistently gets us goals. And you know, it's the, it's the thing we are literally missing in this team. And you know we. Yeah, when you sort of see him not uh, not on the pitch and struggling, but I think yeah, I read the same article. I think you're referring to Kim about sort of relating to the mental side, and it, it reminded me there's there's an American football player uh, Andrew Luck who went through a couple of really serious injuries, um, not not you know quite the extreme as fractured skull, but he ended up retiring on basically getting a sprained ankle because he kind of decided I'm not doing the rehab again. I'm not going through, you know, an eight, what essentially about an eight to 12 week injury process of returning and just didn't fancy it. But I, I guess, Michael, for yourself, I mean, how important is it for, for him to get back playing for Wolves? Because there have been rumours flying about, but it doesn't look particularly likely that he's going to be playing in the next two weeks. Yeah, I think trying to get him back in terms of looking for a plan, especially with cost to substance, of how Wolves plan around that, I think him and I should be at the bottom of the priority list. I think, you know, with all due respect to ourselves, that Jimenez, you know, he's idolised in Mexico and they've got a World Cup on the horizon. And what I think will most likely, even though he's not the oldest player in the world, but I think will most likely be Jimenez's last. And mm. given his form over the between the last World Cup and this one, at the very least, deserves that chance. Um, I think if he can go to the World Cup and there's no pressure from our side to allow him to, you know, and maybe have a really big moment for Mexico in the World Cup, I think you kind of have to hope that that will be able to radiate and sort of result in a bounce for Jimenez coming back to Wolves. Because otherwise, I think if you try and rush him in back before the World Cup, affects his fitness before the World Cup, it doesn't have as a disappointing World Cup that can so easily just sort of build a negative reception and maybe reaction from Jimenez towards the club. And I think, if anything, the club kind of needs to put, you know, given especially what he's been through, I think he's within his full, you know, I'm not always saying sort of, you know, a club should bend over backwards for a player's needs, but I think Jimenez's case is very different. And I think the club in this in this scenario, you know, given there is only two weeks before the World Cup, should be taken into account what the players' priorities are right now. And as long as, as much as we like to think, oh, a wolf should always be a player's priority, you know, World Cup's every player's dream, isn't it? And I think I think that should be respected in that sense. And 
the club should kind of work. They should all hopefully. Then I'm sure, I think they are by the sounds of it. They're working together to try and get him ready for that World Cup, and hopefully, if he has a good one, it'll work for Wolves going forwards. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like he's. Yeah, he, he's. I think people make it sound sometimes like he's gone MIA and like he's just gone. Sorry, I can't. I can't come on the plane. I've, I've pulled my groin. I'll just. Um, I'm just gonna have to go to the beach instead. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed. Um, we can see him back on a pitch in, in no time. Because even if he isn't fit enough for the next couple of weeks, if he's fit enough to play in the World Cup, it's still it'll still be nice to sort of see him and play on the main stage of what's arguably going to be his last uh, international tournament by the way things are shaping up. Uh, the only other little bit of tidbit, um, again, it drags on and on and on, but Wolves are apparently still in for um, Lopetegui. Um, I mean, I'm not going to do a whole big thing on it, but Matt, what are the chances are he's actually going to be on manager let's say post-World Cup? Uh, it's, it's a tough one because Everybody, you know, says, well, it all depends on the the health of his father and everything else. But again, you, you read into that what you will. If that was the case and that was the overriding factor, why did he interview? And there's all this to and fro. And do I think he'll be the manager come the end of the World Cup? No, no, I don't. I think this is one of those um, in another life, we could have rolled the dice kind of things. I don't think it's ever going to happen. And if, you know, like uh, like Pacquiao may, whether it, if it does happen, it will be about three to five years too late. I don't think it's, I don't think at this point in, in both of both parties careers, it's probably in their best interests now. Um, I think from Wolves' point of view, I'm not saying we need to do or die Sam Allardyce or anything like that, but I think we need somebody that perhaps has a bit more, of a get out of the trenches mentality than someone that's going to set us up for a future of potential European football. So I don't think no, he'll be the um, he'll be the manager come the end of the World Cup. No, I think only time will tell. I saw it. I saw it pop up today. It's like he must be getting sick of the text he's getting from Jeff. Um, <laughs> it's all I'm thinking. Um, a couple of nice comments I've seen on our YouTube. Um, uh, YouTube viewers, big thanks. Is uh, we're such vultures, and we should move on. And I, it just uh, it doesn't feel like we've got a plan at the moment still. And it it is dicey. And in a way, I'd almost cope if he signed a pre-contract agreement to start on X date. You mm. know, first of January, but only time will tell. Now, Matthew. When I mentioned to you earlier today, but I was like, we're going to do a quiz. Your reaction was less than... Positive. Positive, yeah. Now, I am no corporate shill. I will bow, bow down to no one, apart from for the Wolves Partners quiz. <laughs> because when you're short on content, why not go for a quiz? So, guys, it's really simple. I've got five questions based around Wolves Partners in the club because I'm fat like of all things in football I'm really fascinated by the whole new partners um, oh like club this is Wolves club. this is Wolves official cottage cheese partner yes I'm fascinated right. I'm fascinated fascinated by the commercialization of um <laughs> football sponsorship because I just think it's bizarre you know our official donut sponsor our Nigerian <laughs> energy drink sponsor and things like that I think it's what I, I don't think it's wonderful um in the you know 
moralistic sense but i do just find it incredibly interesting to see how they're sort of juggling these so five questions for you guys now astropay is the club's principal partner but who are wolves three main partners um uh, 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 angel energy are they one of them angel something or another they are not Oh, okay. One of them, one of them is actually pretty easy. Um, I guess uh, folks on themselves. <laughs> I think they own at least one of the three. Um, do you want me to tell you guys? Oh, is one Thomas Cook? No. I guess the no, but nearly. Hmm. You're on the right trail of foot, right? Like the s- no, not the. Sunning Holding. No, that's someone else, isn't it? I don't have a clue. I feel feel like we're not going to get it. No. Um, So, here are the three main sponsors. According to their website, I must must say. So, it's Castor, Uh, Royal Caribbean International, and um, 12Bet. How did they skirt around? Caribbean International is always at Molyneux, isn't Mm. it? Yeah. Yeah. They sponsor the training kit as well. I think Royal Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Wolves Global IT partner is Arctic Wolf, but are there more <laughs> estimated Arctic Wolves in the wild or people living in Wolverhampton? Ooh, Arctic Wolves. I feel like they can cover the whole sort of no- top of the Northern Hemisphere. So. Mm. I I'll think go you've got people. like. I think people. People. Yeah, I, I'm going for Arctic Wolves on the basis that you've got all of like. Russia and Mongolia and all huge swathes of land that are un, unhospitable unhospi- for, for man. So I'm going for uh, wolves themselves. Big shout out for people in the comments who are just like commenting on people or wolves at the moment. This is, this is, <laughs> this is, this is exactly what I live for on a Sunday night. I'm not going to lie. The correct answer is people. So there's an estimated oh. 200,000 Arctic wolves and around 260 people in Wolverhampton. So, next up, suit specialist House of Cavani recently became a sponsor slash partner. But how many clubs has Edison Cavani played for in his career? I'll go for one in Uruguay. Palermo, Napoli, PSG, Man United, I'd go six, six. I'll go seven. I hope he's got he's forgotten someone. I'll I think it's seven as well. In hindsight, when I thought of this quiz, I forgot that we're having someone who does a European football podcast on the show. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is six. Um, oh. So uh, he did start off at a Uruguayan club. You are completely right, Michael. Um, uh, Danubio, then Palermo, then Lone Spell at Napoli, then made permanently, then PSG, then United, um, Manchester United, and then Valencia. Um, I'll say that my only tidbit of this is you look at his goal scoring record compared to everywhere else apart from Man United like mm. a phenomenally good player number four Cadbury a Wolves partner a technically the shirt sponsor of Notts County I say technically because they donated it they, they are the shirt sponsor and they donated it to a local organization but which current England international played for Notts County the last time they played Wolves 
God, I was there as well, I think. Well, was it the penalty shoot? Well, the season we got promoted from League One. It was. It was, yeah. I believe, if I can remember off the top of my head, for 15th of February 2014. Yeah, was, there was about there was 2k away fans and about 2k home fans. I remember it well. It was, I believe, it was at Molyneux. Was this the Johnson's paint game or was it the just a league match? It was a league match. League match. Um, Current England international. So it's got to be someone who's fairly getting on in their career. Or like one of the younger ones is a load of loan spells. Yeah, it's, oh, I don't know. Have we got any stabs in the dark or shall I reveal all? I've got a couple ja- in. Jared Bowen. Uh, no, but somebody... Ben White. Oh. Good guesses, but you're both wrong. Um, and someone actually has got it in the co- uh, in the in the comments. Um, it's Jack Grealish. Oh God, yeah. Mm. Look at that hair. Name for them now, but yeah. not against us. Yeah, I, I I have no I have no memory of him actually playing at Notts County, but yeah, it was the same time we we're in a we we're in League One. Right, last two questions. Oh no, last last question even. I tell a complete lie. Um No, it isn't. No, I've completely just I've just wrote down the wrong number. Um sorry guys. Um so tile choice is the sponsor of a family enclosure. Are there more tile choice stores or walls players out on loan? Ooh, I think there are more walls players out on loan. Agree. It's gotta be. Must be. There's, there's... stores or loans. Feel free to um Give you thoughts I'll go with stores just because everyone else has gone loans, but I've never seen a, a tile choice in my life. So, yeah, and there's got to be about fifty players out on loan. Well, there are, according to Tile Choices website, again for any <laughs> of your tile choice needs, um, and if you are interested in having an official collaboration with Wolves Fancast, you can feel free to contact us on podcast at wolvesfancast.com. Um, 18 tile choice stores, but 20 players out on loan. There we go. Yeah. It's funny when you look at this list and there's a couple of players that you just never recognise in the slightest. Oh, 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 yeah. I mean, some of I, I initially went on Wikipedia and then cross and then found actually there's an official list on the Wolves website and Wikipedia didn't include some of the players on there because they are somewhat more obscure. But like even some, you know, we've got a couple of the um, Vizoric lads on there, you know. And interestingly, a couple of them could probably improve our first team now on the list. Well, I'm not going to say who they are. Leave I, that to you, imag- I, imagination. I was going to say, I happily could, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the last question, which hasn't pulled through on it. I think that was the last question. I think for some reason it's not pulled out one of the questions. But Matt, was that up to your standards of quizzing? It was more than acceptable, <laughs> as I um, do love an obscure and tenuous link at the best of times when it comes to quizzes. So it's right up my street. I was going to say, is there any point of doing a quiz if it's not tenuous? Exactly. <laughs> that, the only thing that... I thought that might have been different is that you were going to do some kind of Halloween, uh, a Halloween based one. Um, but then, apart from like John DeWolf, like where do you go with it? 
See, problem is, Matt, you know I'm now going to spend the rest of the evening thinking of really forced <laughs> Halloween puns. I was going to say, I feel like that's a proper um, radio show trope, isn't it? Where you're running out of content, it's a slow news day, you just run a pun. Um, exactly. So, uh, a couple of questions from Twitter Corner, just to finish things off. Uh, big thanks to everyone who contributed, as always. Um, first up, um, Martin at Clive Wolves says, having watched the excellent Welcome to Wrexham documentary series, I was wondering which telly slash movie star duo would you most like to see by Wolves? Uh, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant. I don't know who would be Jeff Sheehan. Or like if they would do their own mockumentary of Wolves' negotiations in the past year, but could probably make something pretty good out of that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I think that wouldn't be a... I mean, prior to this game, how I was feeling about Wolves, it probably would have been Fred and Rose West just to put me out of my misery. But um, at this point... Are probably... telly stars? <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're yeah. famous on television, I suppose. Why? Um <laughs> But I think um, at this point in time, Vic and Bob, uh, for shooting stars fame, would at least give me the most entertainment to see what their halftime uh, entertainment would have been. Kim, where's your... So I had a couple of ideas. Again, if you'd have asked me last week, I'd have probably gone very much comedy duo um, with it and got oh, it should be like Morecambe and Wise or something like that. But I don't know. Part of me thinks... Do we go serious? And I feel like if our owners were Brad Pitt and George Clooney, you know, I'd, I'd be having a bit of that. No? Do you go, or am I just thinking they'd like just be running a weird con? Yeah, I'd worry that we were which, going down kind would... of like a Scientology route with the club yeah, or something was, like that. that. <laughs> Kim, how about you? Who, what, what movie style, TV styles would you like to see uh, take over walls? And just keeps dropping off, unfortunately, so we'll never find out. Um, again, we, we can't, didn't quite touch upon it in the in the show itself, um, but obviously we've got Costa out of, um, for the next couple of games. But who would you like to see play at centre forward against Brighton? Gwedes should be the answer, but I'm pretty sure if you did a poll between him, Wang, and Campbell, he'd come last. Um, such disappointment at the moment. Um, I guess really quickly, guys, Michael and Matt, who are you both um, wanging for Wang? Uh, I, I I am, but I, I'm could probably be quite easily be persuaded otherwise. So I'll turn it over to Michael on this one, as I had my say earlier. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not Wang. Um, I don't think he's done anything to convince me in the last few months. Um, I'd, I'd go... I'd go Guedes. The other one who I do think is quite interesting that's not been talked about and hasn't, from what I know, hasn't really trained with the first team, but he's meant to be one of our brightest new youth prospects is Nathan Fraser, who's mm. proper old-fashioned number nine um, in terms of his sort of physicality. And, you know, he's quite a tall, powerful striker, especially his age group. Whether that would translate into senior football, I don't know. But, I mean, if he, he's probably, I mean, which is concerning, you think, under 23s, under 18s, etc., maybe the only natural centre forward we really have at the moment. Um but out of those three, Gonzalo Guedes any day, I think um give him a run of game, see what he can do before the World Cup. You know, can he even force himself into World Cup contender Portugal? Unlikely, but 
you never know with injuries and stuff. So I think there'd really be something to play for there. And um, yeah, easy choice for me. I'm slightly scared to say Kim because the last three times I've said Kim, what do you think? It's I think I'm alive now. now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I'm here. Um, I'd agree with Matt actually. I think, and I I can't believe I'm saying it because to be honest, I haven't been Huang's biggest fan either. But he hasn't had much football lately, and yeah, I feel like we've not got that m- many other choices. I think you know. We know, all know that Pedence definitely is possibly the worst choice to play up top, considering he's smaller than me. Um, so, and Gwes just hasn't impressed me um, when he sort of played the, the, I don't know, he hasn't played the lone striker, but he's almost played sort of off the striker. Um, I just, yeah, I think there isn't many options and I'd just stick with Quang. And give him just give him a chance at least. Give him give him a couple of games just to see what he can do, and and maybe play Gwed's off him. I don't know, but I just can't. I, I, we just haven't got any other choices, so I'm 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 sticking with Huang up top. Yeah, I, I'm I'm more of Huang boat just because I think he's more of a natural attacking player, and more of a, more of a striker than Gwedes is. At this moment, I mean, it's it is a bit rock and a hard place, though, unfortunately. Um, and finally, from Todd, is this week we've all given up on FPL? Kim, as our resident FPL queen, have you? Well, found definitely week? not a queen at the moment on, in the FPL sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had Saka and felt pretty as captain, which is pretty much a differential captain this week. And I was feeling pretty good when he got an assist in the first two minutes of the game and then obviously came off injured. So, yeah, it's really annoying. Pepe Roulette is doing my head in as well with Foden benched. Um, but I did get a double Palace clean sheet, which, yeah, it's quite quite a nice nice few points for me. I mean, I, um, I, I've actually fairly tried in FPL this year as opposed to other years but for some reason never played Haaland throughout the first 14 games of the se- well 13 games into the season um, but average score this week 47 I'm on 66 points so uh, everything's coming up nil house over here yeah so um, I'm, I'm still persevering the one which has really annoyed me and I'm not, I'm not speaking to the right crowd on here um, I managed to forget to change my NFL fantasy football team um, and had my quarterback on on as a buy, which was it. But Michael, are you um, are you an FPLer? Yeah, I, I sh- must join your league. But um, no, I had a good defence, and then I had armour on and Erdegaard. But then the sort of other most expensive three midfielders and two attackers contributed. I think eight points. So that's left me just around the average mark. Yeah, I think. Um... Uh, I felt the pain a bit because I had Kane and Son, and who contributed three points between them. Mm-hmm. Um, but Matt, I, I cannot remember off the top of my head how um, emotionally invested you are in terms of fantasy football. Um, not very. I, I've once again I've created a team, but when her late uh, Majesty passed away, um, I stopped playing. Not Bob for any sense of um, poignancy or. Um, out of respect for the Queen's passing, I just when the games were cancelled, I just forgot 
and then I, I'm one of these people. I forget for one week, and I just think it's all over. I could, I, I haven't made a transfer for about four or five game weeks, so I could be doing really well. I don't know. I haven't checked. I might just see how I am at the end of the season, and just and if I, you know, if I'm ahead of anybody, you know, never let them forget it for the rest of time. See now, I had a decent, I had a decent like base at first. But then I had Kilman in, so I don't know what that would have done against Leicester. So yeah, you've got say. Matt. You've got three players who are injured. The the one guy who's <laughs> retired. The, the guy who's retired from Brighton. Still still in. There you go. You're probably still above me in the league. Um, <laughs> there we go. That says it all. Let's say, ah uh, yes, I I've, I've crept above you, um, according to this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, I have about six points more than you, according to our league table map, wow. which you've done fuck all for several weeks. Um, I think on that slightly depressing note for me, um, that's a good point to end the show. Big thank you to everyone who's tuned in and watched live and everyone who's listened to us on podcasts. Uh, your sport is much loved and immeasurable uh we'll be back to preview the upcoming brighton match um make sure you keep up to date with all things fancast at wolves fancast on twitter facebook instagram and youtube make sure you've liked shared and subscribed as well um until next time though it's goodbye from kim keep the faith it's goodbye from matt take it easy everybody Michael, big thanks for joining us again. Do you want a quick plug uh, for for your things as well? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, if anyone wants to listen to any European football, uh, we do a podcast at RTN Football, a fortnight of the episode. Fantastic! It's goodbye from me, guys. See you next time. How should you plan for when your home becomes too small, or when the next one gets too big? At Sandy Spring Bank, we're here to help create personalized solutions for financing your home loan. Whether it's a new home or refinance, renovation or addition, fixer-upper or new build. Banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your mortgage. Visit sandyspringbank.com mortgage. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank, equal housing lender. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.